Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. This is episode 109. It's been a while since our last one, uh, just because there hasn't been all too much major news that's happened, but we have a lot of small news items to catch up on when we approach both rookie camp and regular training camp for the professionals. We're about, we're actually exactly 30 days away from the home opener for New Jersey at the time of recording. So all of that is right around the corner and these episodes will likely get more consistent as we approach the season and no more news about the big club but for today. We're going to check in around the organization in general, see what they've done to try and supplement the players in camp now, and also check in with the prospects who will be participating in this rookie camp. So alongside me, as usual, is John Fisher. How are you doing, John? I am doing as well as I can, despite the level of ignorance that we are sitting in. I'm basically just complaining that we don't have a rookie camp roster yet as of this (laughs) recording, because it's rookie camp literally started today and Mm -hmm. we don't have a roster. Yeah, so if you've been following along on the Devil's social media, they've um, they've they've kind of just taken uh, the way they've dropped the roster. I would say is kind of like a sneak peek release, one player at a time, because they have all these promotional videos with prospects that you talk to any Devils fan who's aware of them, they were pretty sure that they were going to be there already. And the names who are on that list include players like Graham Clark, include include players like Luke Hughes. Um, Chase Stillman actually made an appearance there as well. The Devils' second first-round pick of this past draft. Um, who else is there? Dawson Mercer is there. Uh, Mike uh, Vukajevic is there. So a lot of familiar faces from last year's camp too uh, are looking to make their impact on the NHL and really carve out a place for themselves in the Devils' organization. Right, and they'll get their first opportunity to do that because the Devils are participating in the Prospect Challenge, which okay, it's it's. It's, it's three teams. It's literally just two games, but uh, they're two games nonetheless. And it's going to feature the rookies of the Devils in camp right now against the Buffalo Sabres rookies and the Boston Bruins rookies on Friday and Sunday, respectively. So, And, and Pittsburgh was the one that pulled out, right? Or- correct. In past years, it used to be a, a four-team deal. Now it's a three-team deal for this year. So mm-hmm. 
Um, again, it's pre preseason. It's basically the Devils in the past used to live stream it through their website or the Buffalo Sabres or through the Harbor Center website. Since it's going to take place at the Harbor Center, it's not going to take place at the main rink in Buffalo. So, you know, it's pre preseason gets gets the younger set a uh, some minutes and then the real work will begin in the following week when all the veterans report, including three new faces to the organization. Mm-hmm. So the uh, professional tryout is not something that's unfamiliar to the Devils. Uh, famously, they were able to, what, swing Lee Stempniak once or twice using a professional tryout, but every team who's ever had Lee Stempniak has done that exact same thing. So these veterans the Devils brought in on these uh, PTO contracts include name. well, they are the names of um, Mark Jankowski, Jimmy VC, and Tyler Wotherspoon. And so uh, it's a very interesting mix of players they brought in here obviously we all know jimmy vc as a former ranger not very successful there went to buffalo not very successful there really anywhere he's gone but um the devils are giving him another shot because of uh, i think that third line spot that was basically known as the travis zajac spot is kind of up for grabs and they're looking for some sort of veteran to fit that which is also where bottom six forward mark jankowski could fit in in terms of Wotherspoon, I, you know, looking at his numbers, he was a touted prospect, but it doesn't seem like it has panned out for him. He'd had some time in Calgary um, to make his name, and obviously he's on a PTO now. So we'll see if a change of scenery helps him at all. John, any thoughts on these three players? Yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath on two of these guys making it, they being uh, Wotherspoon and VC, respectively. Wotherspoon has not played an NHL game in the last four seasons. Mm-hmm. He has been an AHL player uh, solely in the AHL, as in he played for San Antonio. He played for Lee Valley in the last two seasons. Given that he played for Lee Valley, or I'm sorry, Lee High Valley, my mistake to all the people who live there, uh, that, uh, you know, the, the B Devils were probably very familiar with his work. So, uh, the Utica blue line is still incredibly young. The only guy over on the team over the age of 25 on that blue line is the recently signed Robbie Russo, and he's a right-sided defenseman. Watherspoon is a left-sided defenseman, so I think that PTO is really more to see whether or not he's able to play in Utica and whether or not he's interested in signing with uh, Utica. It might take an NHL contract to make it work, but that's a decision for a couple weeks from now. As for VC, it, you know, this one is a bit of a surprise because five years ago, you know, he was, you know, an example of a guy who went to Harvard, had great numbers in Harvard, won the Hobie Baker at Harvard, and decided to tell his team that uh, originally drafted in Nashville, I don't want to sign with you. I'm going to go to free agency. And this made a lot of people mad, even though that's well within the rules. And yep. he went to our hated rivals, which made people more mad because he went to our hated rivals. And he actually did pretty well in his first couple seasons, but he kind of lost the plot in the past couple seasons. And he ended up in Buffalo as a cap casualty in 2019. He did very poorly in Buffalo. Um, he was uh, picked up by Toronto, and then Toronto had to put him on waivers because Toronto was so cap-strapped they couldn't keep a $900,000 player on the books, so they put him on waivers. Vancouver picked him up thinking, oh, well, he's been productive in the past, and then he put up three assists in 20 games with Vancouver. So he's now on organization number six in his career. He's actually 28 years old, so he's not super old. He's This is not a Lee Stepniak uh, situation of this is a longtime veteran just looking to see how much gas he has left in the tank. This is a guy that uh, if he's not careful, his next job may be in Europe. <laughs> like it's yeah. not going to be in the NHL. And, yeah, no, and worse is that he's a left winger and the devils added Thomas Tatar this summer. 
And they still had Jan, they still have Yannick Kwakinen, Andreas Janssen, Miles Wood at left wing, not to mention Pavel Zaka, who's probably better as a left wing than a center. Jesper Brat, who could play if he switches to the left side, he's on his natural hand. And Jesper Bokvist, who could play all three forward positions. So that's seven names I just threw out there without even mentioning any of the rookies <laughs> or any of the prospects yeah. that could play left wing. So uh, good luck, VC. I think you're just here just to push some guys. Mm-hmm. Um and Jankowski, on the other hand, he may actually have more of a legitimate shot of making this roster because uh, the Devils have not filled in that third line center spot. Um, I've written about this. Mike has written about this on the site. But the center's positions are basically Hughes, Heischer, question mark, McLeod. Uh, maybe it's Jesper Bokvist. And the fact that Tyler Bozak signed on such a cheap deal with St. Louis suggests that the Devils are probably going to ride with uh, Bokvist. They're going to try Zaka again at center or they're going to pick somebody out of the blue. Yeah. Or it could be Mark Jankowski, who um, had a pretty good 2018-19 season and then completely fell off a cliff ever since then. I'm honestly surprised that uh, we haven't heard more about a player like Travis Zajac, for example. Yeah, the hot rumor is that Lou has his contract signed and he just hasn't told anybody yet. Like, But, but, he's, but he mentioned the Palmieri ones. He mentioned the Parisi one. Yeah. And for some reason, not the Zajac one, which doesn't really make sense to me, honestly. Right. I mean, because it be can't fair. be for that much, right? It's nowhere near the contract that no. Zajac was playing under when he was in New Jersey. And it's probably no. going to be something like a vet minimum. But I don't know why you wouldn't just announce that. Yeah. So it's possible he may, there may not be a deal in principle. And I could be dead wrong about that, which is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that, um, the Devils probably, they already had Travis Zajac last season. Yeah. So if they were fine with not having Zajac since then, because they could have gotten him already. Like that's kind of, that's kind of my main point here is the, if you really wanted Zajac back, you could have done this two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> like he was available then he's available now, possibly. So given that they gave out the PTO to Jankowski mm-hmm. uh, suggests that your, the options are going to be, Hey, both this, are you good enough? Hey, Zaka, can you play center? And if not, Hey, Jankowski, can you be decent? Mm-hmm. And then we'll see um, how it goes. I guess the dark horse in that race will be one of the rookies to take that center spot, like the aforementioned Dawson Mercer. Or um, if you want to really uh, roll the dice, you know, you can ask, you know, I'm just quickly looking at the roster here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the list of prospects, not the actual rookie camp roster. But no, right, you could because that doesn't exist, right? Exactly. It doesn't <laughs> exist as of this, as of this recording. Yeah. Uh, you, if you want to go really off the wall, Jaeger Sharangovich used to play some center in Binghamton, so you could break up a, a successful position and make him a center again. No, we need Jaeger sniping on Jack's wing. Uh, yeah, you should. I would <laughs> at least start start the season with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's something that's also very exciting to have seen this off season. So uh, we can actually use this as a transition point into the um, was it the World Championships, right? Right. And so Jaeger Sharangovich has been arguably, I mean, not even arguably, one of Belarus's best players, which you oh, know, yeah. Belarus not a hockey power per se, but he seems to be finding the back of the net every game, which that is the part that's going to translate to his time in New Jersey. The results are one thing, and you know, the goal scoring is another when people are setting him up that aren't Jack Hughes. But when what he needs to bring back to Jersey and what he was so effective at last year is that shooting touch and it's good to see him kind of flourishing in that regard and hopefully you know he doesn't have to bear as much of the weight as Thomas Tatar who is also participating in um, qualifiers I believe uh, is you know someone who is meant to take some of that load off of Yegor's uh, plate 
Right. Well, I don't believe Tatar was in the in the qualifiers. And what we're referring to is that um, at the end of August, mm-hmm. uh, Sharon Govich, uh, Studenich, and Christian Yaros all played very important games uh, as the Olympic qualifiers, the final set of qualifiers, were held uh, in the last weekend of August. Mm-hmm. And um, this was very important because uh, the Olympics are happening, and we got confirmation that the Olympics will have NHL representation. The yes. big giant gap in the schedule was intended for uh, players to go and support it. The NHL was tight hyping up that NHL coaches were managing national teams for Canada and the and the United States. So logic suggested they're probably going to have the players go, and they are, which yep. is important because uh, they also participate. A number of them did participate in the qualifiers uh, that were being held. Uh, abroad in Europe uh, back in August. The 2022 Winter Olympics will have NHL representation and nine nations out of 12 were already decided for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, China is the host nation and their their position is going to be doormats. They are going to get destroyed. And Group A was already set up to be United States, Canada, and Germany, along with China. Um, Dan, did you know that goal differential is a very important <laughs> tiebreaker? In other words, China is going to get destroyed and there's a reason for it. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it, it. You know, it's gonna, It's a tough task for the Chinese hockey team to uh, play against the U.S. and Canada in the same group. But even Germany, yeah. definitely not slackers. Germany has been no. better in the international hockey game as of recently. But it's it's very much like um, it, it's not a team to be trifled with. They're not one to be ignored. So I hope the U.S. and Canada don't lose sight of that i mean they should in theory still win the the roster strength right. is entirely different but germany has surprised people on the international stage before and they're only getting better it seems yeah and the way that's set up for the olympics and just to remind everybody what the process is there's three groups of four the the top three teams so the leaders of each group they move on to the quarterfinals of the medal tournament and the the best second place team goes and this is where goal differential can come into play because the other groups um, the other groups are uh, ROC, aka Russia, because you know they can't be called Russia, Dan, but they can play. That's how doping uh, regulations go. Yep. Uh, the Czech Republic, Switzerland, and newcomers Denmark, mm-hmm. who came out of their qualifiers for their first ever appearance at the Olympics. Uh, Denmark is an example of another hockey nation that's kind of on the rise, and they did have NHL players represent them in the qualifiers along with Slovenia. South Korea and Norway, uh, which featured Nikolai Ehlers, Alexander True, Franz Nielsen, and everybody's least favorite uh, uh, Columbus Blue Jacket, Oliver Bjorkstrand, who always seems to score against New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, they went out and they're going to be in that group with those teams. And, you know, if you aren't the second best, you're not the best second place team, you get to go throw it into that qualifying first round where an upset happens, Dan, and you're out of the tournament. Yeah. It's a one-off. It's a total yeah, yeah. one-off. And the other group, is uh, Finland, Sweden, Slovakia, and Latvia. And I'm surprised I didn't put China here just because, you know, China might be able to hang, better hang with Latvia or Slovakia. In the IHF rankings, then China's like below all the teams that were in the qualifiers. Well, like yeah, even the sense. teams that lo- lo- lost all their games in the qualifiers, like Poland and, uh, and South Korea, like they're worse than that. So well, that just makes sense. Doesn't it? it well, it, the Chinese really hockey- been known for hockey. No, and the Chinese Hockey Federation apparently had a big falling out with Kunlin, uh, the Kunlin team in the KHL. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they're learning the hard way that you can't just prepare for the Olympics in eight years. Like, if you want to put together a decent roster, um, 
you can't just go, eh, we'll get some expats from Canada. Like, mm-hmm. no, they, they moved to Canada out of China for a reason, guys. They don't want to represent you, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well. And uh, honestly, they're not going to sit there and go, yeah, I'm not going to go to the Olympics and get bodied, you know, in three games and then be given a uh, pat on the back and uh, sent back to Canada feeling like the biggest loser in the world. Like, mm-hmm. that's just not a thing. But Group C is Finland, Sweden, Slovakia, and Latvia. And Finland, Sweden, similar to America and Canada, you know, we know one of those two teams is going to lead the group. And um, I do mention Slovakia here because they qualified. And that means Studenich, Tatar, and Yaros will go to the Olympics. Where, and they beat Belarus in the final game to qualify. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaeger Sharangovich, unfortunately, will not captain a team at the Olympics this year. Yeah. Um, and he tried his best. He scored goals at the qualifiers. He scored a goal in the, um, the tight game. It turned out that Belarus needed a regulation win to qualify. So they did the old classic. We're pulling the goalie with five, like a couple minutes left. Cause it's two, one, or I'm sorry, it was one, one and, and ultimately lost the game, you know, by an empty netter because a tie does them no good, <laughs> you know, overtime does not help them. They needed to win in regulation. So Sorry to Sharon Govich and the Belarusians, but Slovakia prevailed. They won their group. They joined Latvia, who won their group, and they got to go get destroyed by the two, uh, the two better nations of Finland and Sweden, <laughs> and then and then see who they get in the first round of be it Russia, be it Canada, or I'm sorry, be it uh, the Czech Republic, be it Switzerland, be it Germany, and uh, see what happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, barring any surprises, Olympic hockey usually goes in a very predictable ways. It's it's probably going to be some combination of usa canada russia finland sweden and then pick your favorite 16 that's usually how it goes um but we've seen upsets happen before and again oh yeah germany is one that i'm particularly looking out for as someone who can be um be capable of such an upset latvia too latvia has made appearances at this before and so they they kind of they figure to have a little bit more experience on this type of stage and maybe they can catch someone who's underestimating them. Yeah. And don't count out Switzerland because yes. I don't, the Czech Republic is not the powerhouse that they were from like, say a decade or two ago when NHL representation started happening at the Olympics, you know, they won the first, you know, Olympics with NHL players in 98. And that was back in the days of Yager, Eliash, Hasek, you know, all the great Czech players. Yeah. The Czech Republic is not as sterling as it once was and Switzerland has been a better nation. I think if you're a country like Latvia, like Germany, like Denmark, you know, you look to Switzerland as sort of like, this is your next level. Like if you can get to these games regularly, that's your next level. And Switzerland as a, as a country is at that level. And of course, the Devils will be well represented with Switzerland since they have Jonas Siegenthaler and Nico Heischer. Yeah, so a lot of potential Devils in the Olympics as well. And, you know, I don't know if the Devils are exactly going to be world beaters this season, but we could potentially see even more um, depending on where they are in the standings. It, it, it kind of goes two ways. If they're playing well, they're being very successful. They're more likely to have more Devils on the team. If they're not, then there's a there's a thought process that says, you know, maybe some players won't want to put their seasons at risk to go to the Olympics. Uh, they might drop out last minute, leading, paving the way for some devils to be there if the season doesn't matter as much. Now, we never want that as this scenario, but it does. It is all possible. Yeah, exactly. And this is one of those situations where form, you know, is important. You know, I'm using a soccer term here, but form, you know, how you're performing regularly. Like, for example, under normal circumstances, Jack Eichel would make America. Like he would just make the American roster. You make room for Jack Eichel and his level of talent, but he needs neck surgery. 
And there's still that ongoing beef between the Sabres and, and Eichel and his agents over one, what type of neck surgery are you going to get? And two, if you're not going to provide it, can you trade me to a team that will? And, you know, we're, we may have a situation where Eichel, by the time he gets his surgery and gets to be uh, able to play hockey, it's going to be too late. And therefore a roster on the spot opens for a center. And the Devils have this guy named Jack Hughes, who's a pretty big deal, Dan. And if he's doing really well to start this season, American hockey has to start thinking uh, by uh, January, because I believe January is the deadline for those final rosters, because uh, the tournament starts in February, uh, right. early February. So you have a month or so to prepare. Um, Hughes could very much be in the mix. And if Eichel is unavailable, if other guys are unavailable due to injury or just poor performances, it opens the door for Jack Hughes or Blackwood for Canada as one of their three goaltenders or Kwakanen mm-hmm. as one of Finland's wingers or Jesper Brad as one of Swedish wingers or Dougie Hamilton as one of Canada's defensemen. Um, it depends on from nation to nation, like what the situation is like for, you know, with all due respect, we're talking about a situation here where Pavel Zaka may be more likely to be an Olympian than Dougie Hamilton. Well, yeah, but that's more of a, that's more, that's more of an issue of, the quality of the country and what positions they need to fill rather than the quality of the player. Like I expect Dougie Hamilton to be more, more impactful for the devils than Pavel Zaka, but Canada is Canada. <laughs> like, I mean, Canada they is a like, B team and win the, and win the gold medal. They like, could the, maybe send a C team and get pretty close. Exactly. Like Canada is just that head and shoulders above everyone else talent wise. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what that tournament shakes out to be. It's very exciting to have the NHL players back for sure. It, it definitely adds a lot of, as you would say, John, juice to the tournament and yes. uh, makes it much more watchable and enjoyable as we don't have to watch players who hadn't played in the league in years or random college athletes who no one knows about represent the country. We can instead watch the players that we watch every single night. So Exactly. And speaking of random college players, Dan, uh, nope. as you know, on the site, we've been fulfilling our uh, annual duties of the top 25 under 25 list. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually just revealed six through 10 yesterday. So we're actually near the very end of the list here. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, Dan, uh, if you were concerned about the level of the prospects, compare this to say four five, six years ago, it's like a night and day difference, both in terms of quality and in terms of quantity, since 51 players were part of this top 25 this year. And it includes guys like Nikita Papagayev, who don't have a team right now. Like mm-hmm. he's literally a free agent. So anybody who wants Nikita Papagayev, um, he's available. <laughs> yeah, Go it seems it. like not too many people want him. No, Matt Hellickson, who did play at the World Championships for the United States, um, who's not actually a devil anymore. He mm-hmm. never he signed with Binghamton on ETO, AHL only. And uh, well, he didn't want to stay. So he signed with the Marlies on an, on an AHL contract. So He's not even in the organization and he made it to 49th on our list. So okay. credit to him, but it's got, you know, all the different players that just got drafted. It's got AHL veterans like AJ Greer and Nate Schnarr, um, uh, you know, among the uh, outsiders, so to speak, we do have some guys with some legitimate futures among the outsiders, like Chase Stillman, who came in at 26th, Michael Vukojevic, who came in at 27th, Arseny Gritsiak, whose season just started in the KHL. Um, which started about a week or so, week or two ago. Um, he comes in at 29th. Nico Dawes and Arn Talvatai, they're both going to play with uh, Utica, the Comets. So, you know, there's some legitimate talent. Like I could say these guys didn't make their top 25, but they may have a future or they may have a role to think about, you know, to keep in mind, which is pretty impressive, Dan. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not a bad thing at all. It's it's 
especially with the amount of quantity that exists, it's even harder to be a prospect. There's less spots available for you. So if, to make it higher up on this list, you really have to stand out. And that means you're closer to the NHL than the Devils prospects have been in the past. No one's there by default anymore. It's just kind exactly. of a uh, earn your spot or, you know, just be shunted to the outsiders. So let's talk about um, the list in order going yeah. from 25 back. Okay. So as a surprise, I did say that Chase Stillman came in at 26 and mm-hmm. he was a former first round draft pick. Um, just as a quick aside, Dan, some of these votes were very tight at, at the bottom end of the top 25. So if you feel that this could be reordered a little differently, or you think Stillman or Vukojevic should have been in there, you have it, you have an argument. I'll just say that up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, the votes were that close, but coming in at 25 is the third rounder from the 2021 draft <laughs> class, Samu Salminen. Um, I didn't put him on my 25, but other people did. And, um, you know, he, he's an interesting prospect in of itself. He's actually playing in junior hockey in Finland because he is committed to go to the university of Denver next year. So to maintain his amateur is, um, his amateurism, he has to play junior hockey in Finland, but he is doing very well. He was the captain of the Finnish under 18 team at the world under 18 championships, which seemed to inform a lot of teams on who to pick in this last draft. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a lot of scouts just went to that tournament in Frisco and said, yep, he's our guy. And Samu Salminen checks a lot of boxes for what Tom Fitzgerald and his team are looking for. He's large. He's got some skill. He has a leadership component. Um, I think Salmanen would be playing pro hockey if it wasn't for the whole committed to college sort of thing. So um, it's going to take a couple of years before we see him, but he makes it in at 25 and he's an interesting prospect. So, you know, credit to him mm-hmm. coming in at 24 is a guy who I thought had a fabulous uh, pandemic season in the USHL Akira Schmid. And yes, he's a, he was a 20 year old playing USHL hockey, but he's a goaltender, Dan. Yeah. It does, I, I, you know, if you're scoring lots of points as a 20 year old in a junior league, like that's not that impressive. You're one of the oldest players in the league. You should be dominant. But goaltending is this weird animal, Dan. I feel like it doesn't matter if you're 17 or 20. If you're stopping lots of pucks and you're the best goaltender in the league and Schmid was by save percentage, like he was head and shoulders above the rest of the league in terms of save percentage among qualifying goaltenders. I mean, that's just fantastic. Um, so he's coming into Utica with great form outside which i can't say the same for nico dawes who went on loan to germany and did badly uh so schmidt came in at 24 uh marion student each who played for slovakia and, and maybe an olympian uh comes in at 23 mm-hmm. literally in a tie with schmidt uh he got ahead because of the higher community ranking vote got some nhl games last season might make the roster this season uh he is waiver eligible so it's gonna be an interesting um you know, prove it, uh, can't prove it sort of camp for Mr. Student each because mm. um, he might get claimed on waivers. He might not, you know, he, we're talking about a former fifth rounder who hasn't done a lot in minor league hockey to say, yeah, let me let another team's just going to pick him up. Like he just doesn't have the numbers to uh, justify that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time he got NHL games last season. So it, there, there, there's a player here, I think um, comes in at 23 Nikita Akatya comes in at 22 Um I felt Vukovic had a better, se- slightly better season, but uh, your mileage may vary on that. But lots of people like Akatyak; they like his physical style. Again, the Devils like their big defenseman, Dan. They mm-hmm. like size. They don't want you to be tiny. 
and Akatyuk has that size. So he comes in at 22. Mm-hmm. Fabian Zetterlund, who actually has a legitimate shot of making the team this year since Nathan Bastion is now a Kraken. Zetterlund is a high-energy right winger. He's been in Binghamton for several seasons. Um, I think his situation is similar to Studenich in that, uh, you know, this camp is kind of like a prove-it situation. Prove to me that you still belong here. Prove right. to me that you could be an NHL player. Because unlike Studenich, I think a roster spot may be available for Zetterlund. And the fact that they brought in VC on PTO instead of a right winger, mm-hmm. I think suggests that they're, they're going to see if he can do it. Um, so they basically are using that as a test. Kind of. I would argue, um, I would argue guys like Holtz, maybe Foot. I know Foot's technically a left winger, but Bokvist could play any three forward positions. Tice Thompson could play right winger. So it's not it's not a layup for Zetterlund, but I'm saying there's there's a pathway here. Yeah. Okay. So he he comes in at 21. Coming in at 20 is the aforementioned Tice Thompson. Got some games with the Devil, the main team out of uh, Providence last season. Did okay-ish. He looked a little bit better with the AHL team. I think he needs some more seasoning, but I think the team likes what Tice can bring to the table, and I think we we might see him get a call-up this season. I think I think if he does well with Utica, I think that's legitimately possible. Speaking of calls-ups, Kevin Ball comes in at 19. Mm-hmm. Um, his, number, his numbers were not good in his uh, seven or so games last season, but he got them, and Akatyak, Vukojevic, and Walsh didn't. So clearly you can see who the, who the, uh, the decision makers want to see uh, up there. Um, I think he gets a call up at some point if he performs decently with Utica, similar to what we saw last season. Coming in at 18 is another big defenseman, Shakir Mukamadoulin, mm. who is starting off well with Ufa as the KHL season has started. Uh, he definitely is making me look silly since I didn't like to pick when he was picked in 2020, but he made Ufa's roster last year. He stuck with the main team in the KHL. Um, and he did apparently really well at, at the four nations, which is an under 20, um, international exhibition in Europe. Uh, some saying he was the best Russian player, which is saying something considering Russia is always really strong at these tournaments. They take the things like four nations really seriously. So Muka Madulin, you know, is I'm, I'm glad of eating my words a little bit. So he comes in at 18 and there's a little bit more, uh, life to that. Riley Walsh, uh, slips down to 17. Um, he's a right-handed offensive defenseman and he's the only one in the system outside of Luke Hughes now, <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. he's actually could be calling, be called up to play in the NHL. We'll see if he gets a shot this year. Um, I, I don't want to say this is the season he needs to show something, Dan, but I want to say it's going to be, if not this season, it's going to be next season for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, cause Luke Hughes is probably not going to stay in Michigan for a long time. And I'm getting to Luke Hughes. He's higher up on this list. Well, my <laughs> guess would be at least more than a year. Yeah. It has to be. I think it has to be how long? Actually, it doesn't have to be any amount, right? No, because he's not, ju- he didn't play in junior hockey. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. The agreement, the age, what you're talking about is the 20 year old limit between the CHL and the AHL. So, oh, no, no, no. I didn't know if they, and the NHL had an NCAA years requirement um, if they are in college. Oh, no. I don't, I don't believe that's the case. Um, actually, now that I think about it, he might actually have to. Wait a year. I, I apologize to the listeners if I got that wrong, but <laughs> I, I, I would agree that Hughes is at least going to stay at Michigan for a year. And I wouldn't be super shocked if it ends up being two years. Yeah, especially with the team that he has. 
yeah, Michigan is a super strong team. And remember, the Utica Devils have a very young blue line right now. So if you try to bring in Luke Hughes as fast as possible, you're kind of undercutting Walsh or you're undercutting Vukojevic or you're undercutting Ball. You're under, you're, you have to make some space in Utica and you're not going to have that space for another season at least. Yeah, exactly. Right. So um, where was I? Oh, yes. Grant Clark comes in at 16 on the list. Uh, he did get an opportunity to play in the AHL, given that there was no OHL season last season. Did pretty decently. Clearly, the Devils like him enough to give him interviews. And, yeah. and he's presumably at a rookie camp practicing in a scrimmage or at a drill right now. Um, nevertheless, um, there's a lot of high hope that the shooter is here. And he's coming in at 16, Dan. And he had Years a bizarre past, season. He did. He, he, he ended up in Slovakia. I'm sorry, Slovenia with his brother, uh, mm-hmm. Brent Clark. Uh, just to get some minutes. And then, um, you know, it, it was just an odd season for Graham, but uh, he made the best of it, I think. I think given the situation, he made the best of it. Coming in at 15 is Jesper Bokvist, who may or may not be an NHL player. Every time he's played 63 NHL games, Dan, and they haven't been very good, <laughs> but mm-hmm. he's getting, he has 63 more games in the NHL than everyone I just mentioned on this list. So, you know, AJ Greer accepted, of course, he's played like a handful of Colorado and, and, and student each has like eight games. Fine. Yeah. Outside of those guys. And oh yeah, a couple games for Tice Thompson and Kevin. Mm-hmm. The point is 63 is still larger than all of them combined. <laughs> and uh, as such, you know, I think 15 was a, a decent place to put him in after him is Jonas Siegenthaler who comes mm-hmm. in at 14. Uh, he was acquired. He never really got a chance to really show what he could do. I think this camp is going to show what he can really do with a full season now that COVID is past him and uh, he's able to stick with the team for the full season. He was a mid-season acquisition last year and only got a couple games before COVID and everything else that went on with the Devils last season basically rendered him un- to be unavailable. So this is the real, you know, what are you going to show me, Mr. Siegenthaler? What are you going right. to show us that you couldn't do in Washington? Right, right, right. Coming in at 13 is Nolan Foote, who did get a cup of coffee with the Devils last season. Great shot, Dan. Not a lot of great foot speed, unlike his last name. The <laughs> foot is a bit of a problem with Nolan Foote. Okay. But if he can uh, get a little faster and get a little swifter, I think that'll help his cause. And I think he gets, I think he gets an extended call-up at some point. Uh, Michael McLeod comes in at 12, fourth-line center. He's on the list. He's an NHL player, um, but he's still just a bottom six center. So you can't put him too high. But yeah, it takes a lot least, of penalties. Yeah, there, there's a lot of issues to McLeod. And my biggest concern, Dan, is he did well with Bastion last season because without Bastion, he was awful. Like mm. legitimately, like, why is this guy on the team awful? So McLeod really needs to step it up this season because obviously he's not going to have Nathan Bastion next to him this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, it's just not going to happen. Uh, and then after McLeod is where we get to the real, the real cream of the crop, Dan. Um, and I'm starting this with 11 here because 11 and 10 were not that far off from each other. 11, 11 and is, 10? Yeah. Yeah. Mer- 11 is Dawson Mercer. Mm-hmm. He had a fabulous season, shortened season, but fabulous nonetheless with Shikutame in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, he's got this reputation that he was one of their best uh, two-way setters in the entire league, which is a pretty serious claim to be made. Uh, very smart player. Um I believe he is eligible to go to the AHL. So he could end up in Utica and some of the hype over his talent level has been having some fans whisper, maybe he's the third line center. If Bokvist well, isn't good enough or Zaka's not should be at wing or, you know, 
Jankowski isn't good enough. So Mercer being as effective as he has been since the Devils drafted him is a big, big win in terms of that Taylor Hall trade. And again, we mentioned that Kevin Ball got to jump the order a few times because he was a big centerpiece of that trade. But this first over our first rounder that they got that they used on Mercer is looking like it may eventually pay even more dividends. So that's really exciting um, news as a Devils fan. And Mercer has um, stayed consistent. He's stayed very front of mind and present in terms of conversations about the Devils prospects. So very, very good sign to see from him. Exactly. And it doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt that he has Jack Hughes's haircut. Apparently the yeah. flow is real with this one. The flow the is lettuce, real with all of them. The lettuce is crisp as they say. They're all children. Yeah. They're <laughs> lousy children, literally under half my age. Uh, <laughs> I'm shaking my fist at my computer screen right now. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, coming in at number 10 is Alexander Holtz. And he slipped a little bit because his season wasn't as uh, good. Your gardens had a rough season with him. There was definitely a sense of, I don't know if they knew what they exactly what they were doing with him and William Eklund at some point. Um, Holtz eventually did come over and did sign with the Devils on an ELC. So he did play a little bit with Binghamton, but you know, he didn't, he didn't light it up initially, which I, I understand why some people are disappointed with that. I think the expectation was he was a seventh overall pick. He's this great shooter, great scorer. So He's got to be scoring. Why isn't he scoring, Dan? Because well, who's not, passing him the puck? <laughs> well, not, not only that, but also Binghamton was really bad last season. And oh yeah, the pandemic really messed up everything in terms of uh, who could even play in Binghamton. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you had some of your players were kept to a taxi squad, which yep. meant they weren't really available. And you had, because the devils were awful, you were shifting guys back and forth between uh, the two, two teams. I think Holtz, a more stable 2021, 2022 season for Holtz, I think will yield more dividends. The hype is real. The shot is real. You know, 10, I think is a perfectly fine place for him. A little bit of a downgrade from where he was last season. Mm-hmm. Coming in at number nine is Luke Hughes, the Ooh. Michigan man. Coming in, the Michigan man himself joining Owen Power. <laughs> I'm surprised Owen, well, maybe I shouldn't be that surprised, but Owen Power is returning. Um, that Michigan team, Dan, is remarkably stacked. It was four of Tons the top of- five picks, right? For Michigan. Yeah, that's, Yeah, that's like never happened, or at least it hasn't happened in an incredibly long time at the NHL draft, much less for a college team. I don't think there have ever been teammates that went one, two in college. Yeah, Yeah. like because, again, normally the way things have been structured with the ages, usually it's the guy that's going to college that gets drafted. They get drafted out of the National Developmental Team Program. They get drafted out of the Junior A League. Okay, it's usually the US NTDP. It's typically not a Junior A team. But the point is, Dan, is that they're not in college when they get picked. But because of ages and because of development cycles being what they are, you're seeing guys who are in college that are getting drafted. And these guys are seriously talented. Like Matty Berniers and Owen mm-hmm. Power were head and shoulders above the rest of the 2021 draft class. Mm-hmm. And Hughes is among them. And he'll be playing with those guys along with tons of other guys who are high picks like Kent Johnson, uh, Mackie Samsovskevich. Uh, he joins a team that already had John Beecher. Already had, uh, he used to have Cam York, but he apparently has moved on. He signed with Philadelphia. Um, in the that top Michigan, five, was McTavish the only one that wasn't in Michigan? I believe you are correct. Okay. That makes Actually, sense. Actually, yeah. Um, oh, and number three overall. He, yeah. He did not go to Michigan. The Damn point I'm... is, yeah. Um, the point is here, Dan, is that Hughes is going to go to a power program. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to pick a college, Michigan is the place to be. So this is going to be a place where he will get a chance to develop. He'll get to follow in the footsteps of Quinn 
unlike last season, Michigan will probably play in the Frozen Four. That was probably one of the reasons why Power and Beneers and others are returning because they never got that opportunity. Michigan canceled their tournament appearances beyond their season. So, you know, Michigan wasn't the powerhouse team on paper that they were, but now they should be. And Luke is going to be a big part of that. And even outside of that, the guy has a remarkable amount of uh, potential. He's easily one of the best skaters in the entire organization, not named Jack Hughes. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he hasn't even stepped onto one single, you know, rank for New Jersey, except for this rookie camp. So there's a reason why he went as high as he did in this draft. And there's a reason why a lot of fans were happy he was picked. And as such, we put him in the top 10 of the top 2,525 as an 18-year-old. Throw him in right there, you know. And just just past them are, are guys who are in the NHL, and um, you you know these guys because we've talked about them at length over the past e- season and, and beyond. Yeah. Uh, Yanni Kwakening comes in at eight. Yep, I'm a little surprised that he came in only at eight because I had him at six personally. But he comes in at eight. He was a first line le- left winger with uh, Mr. Hughes. Tatar may have taken his spot. But I think Kwakin is very much a top six winger on this team. And I think he's very talented and he's much better than his counting numbers suggest. Um, mm-hmm. Mr. Pavel Zaka, the infamous Pavel Zaka, I, I shall say. Was a much better winger than center, which is good to learn. Yes. Um, maybe has t- turned a corner. Maybe hasn't turned a corner. Um, so believe it or not, Dan. Is, is this the year, John? Is this the year? It better be because he's actually going to be turning 25 very soon. So he's not oh. going to be on this list. He's not going to be on this list for very long. Okay. Uh, he's 24 years old. Uh, he was born on the same day I was, uh, April 6th. <laughs> so this will be his last season on the top 25 under 25. He comes in at seven. And uh, he finishes just behind um, Mackenzie Blackwood, who comes in at six, <laughs> which surprised me and the community because we both had him in our top five. Uh, but Blackwood's counting numbers weren't very good. And if you just look at the stats, you just go, well, he didn't have that great of a season. I will argue to the death that he got a raw deal based on some of the well, lackadaisical coverage that he had to deal with. Well, last it's season. not only that. He ended up playing way more than he would have ever expected to because the goal was to split the battery between him and Crawford and Crawford retired before the season. And the fact that the devil's backup goaltending was so unreliable that in order to have a semblance of winning any game, they basically had to drop Blackwood out there. Exactly. Now that should be rectified for this season because they have Jonathan Bernier. You know, they literally signed him for that purpose. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I still think Blackwood is a top five talent, but he comes in at six. And the fact that Blackwood is coming in at six tells you, again, how strong the under 25 group is. And um, I'm not going to reveal their order day because that's going to be revealed on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. But you could logically figure out who the final five are. And I'm just (laughs) going to say I'm in alphabetical order. Okay. Um, not, Not in position order. Uh, it's Jesper Brat, Nico mm-hmm. Heischer, Jack Hughes, uh, Ye- everybody's favorite Yegor, Yegor Sharangovich, and Ty Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that, a pretty uh, that's, that's a that's a really good top five because out, out of those five, Dan is a potential top pairing defenseman in Smith. You have a top two top six wingers in Sharangovich and Brat, and then you two have the top six top, centers and two top six centers in Hughes and Heischer. Like, so if we were talking yeah. about the team's core, we basically just listed it off. Yeah, basically. And I would argue it goes six players deep. It's, it it's, be expanded it's to five seven. plus Blackwood, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you can expand it to seven or eight, depending on how much you want to believe in Hugh, Luke Hughes already, or if you really are a big, uh, not Zaka, a uh, Quackenden fan or a big Holtz fan. You know, there are arguments made, made, whereas five or six years ago, it was basically, are you in the NHL? 
okay, cool. You're Adam Henrique. You're Damon Severson. You're number one yeah. or you're number two, like by default, you just yep. are, you know, now there's actual discussions and, and arguments that you could make be making that, you know, maybe Quokkan should be higher than eight Dan. Mm-hmm. Maybe Hughes should be higher. Luke Hughes. I mean, Jack, Jack, I, I'm kind of spoiling Jack. I mean, everyone here. Knew. Everyone knew. Come on. Uh, it wasn't unanimous, Dan. It wasn't. It doesn't have unanimous. to be unanimous to know what the majority would have said. Well, true. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, is that you can make an argument for some of these other guys to be higher up the list, and even the guys I mentioned way earlier, about 20 minutes ago, about who's in the outsiders, who's in the bottom end of the 25, they could rise up in the list like easily. Like, yeah. The fact that someone like Nikola Pashik, who I didn't even mention until now. Or Patrick Moynihan, who is now in Providence, and he gets to be the man with the Friars. If they have good seasons, they could go back into the 25, you know? Mm-hmm. Arn Talvitai can rebound from a really rough season, last season with Penn State and his first entry into AHL hockey. If he has a solid season, he could sneak back into the 25. Like, th- there are futures here, is my point. And that's, a, that's both a testament to how much the Devils have drafted. It's also a testament to how well they've been drafting. And it's also a testament to the fact that we just have better information to look at these guys and go, okay, this guy is more than just a scorer. We know he has legitimate value. And that's important, especially important for the defensemen like Vukojevic, like Ball, like Akatyuk, and even guys like Vuka Madulin, where their point totals are not going to be what gets them to the NHL. Well, you mentioned how well they've been drafting. Again, uh, unless all these players actually fulfill this potential that we're seeing in the junior leagues, uh, Drafts that we perceive as very good can suddenly be uh, turned upon, I would say. So of course, hopefully they can manifest these things that we're seeing from them in the prospect pool into the NHL. And so, again, the rookie tournament starts uh, today. I think they already. No. Oh, OK. The sorry. 17th. The 17th. OK, so it starts on Friday. Um, and uh, we're hoping that we know at some point in the next two days who's actually going to be there or at some point before the opening game at the very least who's going to be there um, and not just guessing at it. But you can expect to see a lot of the players you just mentioned in that top 2525 looking to solidify their spot, not just to, you know, make the team and for the established ones to stay on the team, but for new ones to kind of say, well, maybe I'm worth a looking camp and anyone could be that unexpected figure. We saw it with um, several players throughout the years for the devils. I mean, we right. no one expected uh, Blake Spears to break through uh, into the lineup. Jaeger Sharon is probably the best example that comes to mind in recent Jesper history. Jesper, Jesper Bratt. Bratt. Mm-hmm. He legitimately balled out or pucked out at one of these prospect <laughs> tournaments, got him some extra preseason games pucked out there and he made the in it he started he, he started he started it on the opening night roster mm-hmm. and he was a sixth round draft pick uh you know out of swedish junior hockey not even the shl so or i'm sorry the second division in sweden not swedish junior the point is, is that you know you're absolutely right dan like you don't know where the genesis of these players breaking out will be maybe we'll see it in the next two days mm-hmm Yeah, so hopefully we get to see some Devils hockey action here um, very soon. Hopefully they put in a place that's easy to find and not, you know, three streams deep in some weird website. But um, we'll see if they can fix the camera angle they had last time, too. That was uh, not ideal. That, that might be that might be a harbor center issue. I don't know if they're I, I wouldn't hold your breath on that one. Yeah, no, I'm not. But but regardless, um, we're looking to see who makes an impact in these games and who will make an impact moving forward. And so uh, is there any other business to take care of for this episode, John? 
Yes, there's a couple points just to quickly hit on. Uh, mm-hmm. First and foremost is that the NHL and the NHLPA also agreed to do COVID-19 protocols, mm. which is relevant since the Devils were one of the many or one of the teams that were significantly impacted by the virus last season. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, since the NHL is dead set on having an 82 game season, full season, 31 opponents, you're going with to Olympic participation with Olympic participation. So th- these are some it's not a mandate, but it's pretty close to what yeah. uh, basically <laughs> a team can suspend an unvaccinated player who cannot participate due to activities, including travel. And if they are suspended, you do not get paid because in the NHL, you get paid by the day. Um, They, I do have exceptions for medical, religious, and uh, being in quarantine with high risk, close contact. So if you have a family member who's, um, you know, who's has compromised, uh, uh, compromised immune system, Mm -hmm. that might be, that might be a reason that might not get a, a suspension, but they say, for an unvaccinated player the answer to that is very simple get vaccinated yeah uh if you are vaccinated and you get the virus you're gonna it's gonna be treated just as if you have an injury Mm -hmm. so no different than if you have a high ankle sprain or a broken leg you know you're you're just gonna be treated per you know ir as you would any other injury so another reason to go get the vaccination also you get paid so you know you still get paid in in that case you don't get suspended um it seems like the nhlpa is willing to accept a lot more um, restrictions than a lot of other leagues. I would say also the, the oh, NFLPA yeah. has been pretty good about this um, yeah, in terms NBA, of getting players vaccinated. Yeah. The, yeah. The basketball association is an example of they, they're they not willing to par- play along. Apparently the players are not requiring a vaccination. Well, it's mostly um, just vibes over there. So, well, in any case, um, the thing is, the thing here is that all personnel who acts, who interacts with hockey operations personnel, including players, must be vaccinated. So we did see a couple teams uh, basically fire or release assistant coaches or trainers because they didn't want to get the vaccine. So they said, fine, we'll get somebody who will. Simple as. Yep. And um, basically, it's not a mandate, but it's a very strong set of rules to rules to encourage players to go get get it. And on top of that. Over the past couple of days, some teams have went out of their way to announce that their entire roster and staff have been vaccinated, like Carolina, like Philadelphia. Um, the Devils have not said anything about this. The Devils, I think, are one, interestingly, one of the few teams who have not said anything about the coronavirus protocols. They haven't even announced if they're going to do anything with the uh, games, which, you know, the first preseason game is going to be October 1st uh, in the Prudential Center. So far, the answer is status quo. They're going to follow whatever the state of New Jersey requires, which is if you're vaccinated, go live your life. Um, I don't know if the Prudential Center will allow any differences. I know Live Nation, which is the concert uh, promotion that the Prudential Center works with, they do require things like you know proof of vaccination and you have to wear a mask. But that's Live Nation. That's concerts. Yeah. Um, we'll see if hockey will follow suit or if hockey says we're going to do whatever New Jersey allows us to do or something else entirely. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but the big thing I would do want to emphasize is that, you know, if the Devils haven't been vaccinated yet, I, I, I sure hope that they are. I think they all have the, the a lot of them have the firsthand experience that you really don't want to get this virus if you can, if you can. Well, especially it. not the worst version of it, because by that point, the, the, the strain that they got was not the one that's currently circulating in the U.S. today. And that one is more infectious by Correct. all accounts. Correct. And, you know, again, nobody wants to get sick. And I can understand and appreciate that, you know you know, this virus, you know, for some people, it's literally, you're just sick. And for other people, you're on a ventilator. Yeah. Um, 
it's not worth rolling the dice and it's not, it's not worth missing out on paydays to do it. And yeah, I really do appreciate. Right. And, and on top of that, as one additional note is that if the player opts out of the season, they still can do that. They have until October 1st to opt out of the season because um, they, they're not vaccinated or they are vaccinated, but they share somebody, they live in a household with a significant risk of severe illness. If they do get it, um, they can, they can opt out. And, but what that means is that they can't play this season at all, period. Like they can't go to Europe and play. They can't go to the Olympics. If they have a season, if they get paid for the season, it gets moved over to next season. Like they don't no new contract basically. So opting out comes with a very heavy penalty in that respect as well. So, like I said, the NHL and the PA, I, I'm, I can appreciate that they went out of the way to make a mandate without making it a mandate. And uh, they sorted that out way back on September 2nd. So it's now September 15th as we're recording this. So, you know, you've had the time to get it. <laughs> you had the time to get the damn shot. So go yeah. get it if you haven't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if the Devils announce anything. If they do, great. If not. That's fine too. It's you know, a little public health PSA from Garden State of Hockey here. Yes, get your dang shots. I got them. You got them. It's okay. You'll do it. Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, we're we're still here. We're still talking to you about all things New Jersey Devils hockey. Right, and um, again, veterans report next week, and that's where we'll see VC Jankowski, uh, Watherspoon, and more importantly, the Devils. The Devils we expect to do well next season. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully they, uh, I mean, the Jankowski prospect is exciting to me. So I, I'm, I'm excited that they had him. I, I'm glad they recognized that that was an area of need and actually did something about it, like most other parts of their strategy this offseason. So we'll see how that manifests. But yeah, a lot of exciting stuff to come. And uh, like we said, as we get close to the season, we'll have these episodes uh, more consistently happening. Just we want to make sure that we're providing actual information when we do these things instead of just kind of speculating on stuff and until the devils confirm a lot of things and until we get really close to season we won't have the best idea of what it's going to look like so bear with us but as always we appreciate um everyone who listens we appreciate the you know patience you have with us with the site and really your interactions make it all possible so um thank you again and hoping that we can share some uh, exciting looks at the rookie camp together all right all that being said Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time on Garden State of Hockey. Let's go Devils. Feels good to say that after the summer. Go Devils. Devils.